commercial now that uh, they're getting the NIL deal, of course. It was released yesterday. It was just an eh. I got to be honest. It was just eh. Like, just I like the idea of it, who, the dy- dynamic of it, but eh. It was just eh. Who, who has more airtime these days in commercials? Dion, Patrick Mahomes, and for a while, and then he was dropped, was Aaron Rodgers. But I think Mahomes is everywhere. Yeah. And and Dion's not far behind. Yeah, I think the frequency of uh, well, I see a lot of the Dion now because of the Affleck, and you're watching a lot of college football. I mean, I, you obviously see Mahomes a lot more during the NFL broadcast, but Dion does the Affleck. He's got the KFC deal now, and then isn't it like almonds or something? It's some random like nut. Mahomes, like that he's promoting. It's very, it's very just. I don't know. It seems very off-brand, but okay. Half the time, I'm watching Mahomes, and I'm watching him, and not sure what even the the commercials about. He obviously State Farm. He's very visible in that, but now he's got one where somebody snaps the ball to him. I'm not even sure which what spot that is or what they're advertising. I'm just watching him pretty much. We got a question in the app. It's a it's a good question. Uh, are you guys pro turf or anti turf in the NFL? Wow. There's a big debate now about because yeah. of Aaron Rodgers' injury. Yeah, what has happened is the uh, NFL Players Association wants owners to go all grass. Roger Goodell was quoted as saying that, in his opinion, some players want the artificial. Look, I I don't have a, I don't know. I There's so many ways to look at this. You know, obviously, if you have the so-called whatever not real grass it's it's easier to keep up you know and if you know you don't get it ripped up and and during the season it becomes a problem because it gets ripped up and so forth during games but it is better for the players from what i've been told i remember when they first came out with astroturf mark because i was in locker rooms it was like playing on concrete yeah now it's a lot different than that It, it is but i've never played the game so it's not fair for me to say i probably would favor natural grass but what happens in the event that you have a big rainstorm and stuff like that, and then you're slipping and sliding all over the place and there's mud? I don't know if that's the case when you have this artificial turfus. And according to what I read, the stuff at uh, MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, is geared for preventing lower body injuries. Obviously, that wasn't the case with Aaron Rodgers. By the way, Tony, let you know it's a T-Mobile commercial. Oh, it is? Okay, thanks. Yeah, is that what it is? Uh, what do you think, Bronner? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I had heard something that, you know, Rogers injury didn't have anything to do with turf, grass, whatever. Uh, I, there have been a lot of lower body injuries at MetLife Stadium. Uh, this all being said, yeah, I don't think anyone but the owners are pro-turf. Uh, so, I, I don't, how could you not be pro-grass? I guess the rain thing is a, is a valid point, but at the same time, it's like we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry here if it's gonna have any chance of reducing injuries to the players fig- figure it out i mean what do, what are we doing i here? don't think you could put real grass in, an, in a dome stadium can you i don't know I, I, honestly i don't know i don't know if that well then I, i'm not aware that they do it and there's always that thing well can it grow can it can you maintain it in a, a dome now some of these stadiums are half dome you know they they can open up the dome or not but there are dome stadiums there and i'm not sure grass would would work there i haven't heard that many complaints about the the turf or the surface lately this is the first time somebody's really come out and said it and obviously it's because of aaron Rodgers. oh it's not the first time no but but 
to your point though, Bronner, about it being a multi-billion dollar business, it's exact. That's exactly what it is, and for that reason alone, you'll never see grass in all stadiums because it's all about the bottom line and field turf. Which, by the way, has come a long way, and I'm sure will continue to make advancements. Uh, it makes more business sense than I would think than than grass. And the owners are only worried about their bottom line because it's a multi-billion-dollar business. If you get hurt, then this one's going to step up and play. That's that's the harsh reality of it all. Now, could you there? And, and as people are pointing out, there are drainage systems for grass, you know, and all of that too. I don't think field turf's going anywhere. Um, and I don't think the Aaron Rodgers injury is going to spark some big national debate over turf versus natural gas. Just a freakish, in, just a freakish injury that happened. I mean, these things happen. That's what the game, it's a violent game. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question, though. Um, but we tend to do this, and I don't want to call it an overreaction because its I don't think it's ever an overreaction when a guy pops in a, Achilles and, and is out for the season. I mean, you go back to baseball, Soroka, the Braves, uh, at a young age, he was what, 21, 22, pops his Achilles, and he still hasn't recovered. It's not because of the field turf, right, so, grass. So my question would be, and we don't know, we're, none of us are doctors, uh, would Aaron Rodgers... I claim to be on yeah, Sundays. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to diagnose it. Well, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express once. Yeah. So my question there would be, go. would, you know... 29-year-old Aaron Rodgers have popped an Achilles in that same Probably exact not. situation. So is this is this a is this a field maintenance issue or is this a man that quarterback is old issue? And I'm not I, and I'm not trying to make light of it or but is this more of a and I don't know anything about Achilles except, you know, I got two of them and I think they're working. My guess and again with no medical expertise is that it's not entirely a field issue based on other athletes who have incurred this Kobe Bryant the late Kobe Bryant with Achilles Soroka uh, on a baseball field uh and and it happened not once but twice so it's just one of those things that happens in in pro football and if it wasn't Aaron Rodgers and it was basically a backup quarterback we wouldn't even be talking about it in the app it's an old man issue that's what happens when you don't practice or play preseason and go out and uh 10 man tight maybe so <laughs> I can tight. I can relate to old man issues and, and going out there and playing uh, with no practice or yeah, you know the whole take Advil before you go out, not after. Kind of that's where we. That's where I am. I don't know about you guys, but that's where I am. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. We come back. Let's get one of you guys qualified for the uh, name in it, the Alec name and catering party of up to twenty or eighteen. Me and Lee, uh, we, we're actually picking a winner tomorrow, right? Our first winner, Alec Naiman from one to nine. It's all on him. He's got to pick a number. So. Let's hope if he's listening to you guys, he picks number nine. All right. We'll wrap up our number one. Also, we haven't talked about the Alabama fans in that video that was out there harassing Texas players. The, the university sent a statement out on it. Not the athletic department, the university. And boy, my inbox got flooded. Uh... And, of course, uh, Paul Feinbaum at 7. So a lot to get to. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. With Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. (laughs) 
was born The nurses all gathered round And they gazed in wide wonder At the joy they had found The head nurse spoke up Said leave this one alone Kind of guy so I'm a little baffled, and I'm glad our next guest is joining us because we need a little context. We need some clarification. Paul Feinbaum says a lot of hard-hitting stuff during the course of the week, some biting commentary. Uh, he gets after coaches. Hell, he's fired coaches, which makes the next statement you're about to hear um, confusing. Take a listen to this. Hey y'all, I'm Paul. My glasses are from Fendi. My shirt's from Lululemon. My belt's from Saks. And I'm built by them. Paul, what? Mark, you still there? I am still here. I was wondering if you were after that clip. producer as I arrived in wherever we were last week, Tuscaloosa, and he asked me <laughs> if I would do that. It was, uh, you know, an outfit of the day bit considering, you know, the Bama Rush documentary, and I just thought I had no idea what I was getting into. I walked into this sorority house, and it was uh, it was surreal, so I, I went along with it, uh, as I'm wont to do sometimes. So, I mean, I've, I've gotten tremendous reactions, not, not all great. But it, more than anything, we just try to be fun on that show, Mark. You understand it. I mean, how many times can you uh, break down, uh, you know, the quarterback situation at Alabama? Uh, I think most people. I think most people liked it. As you point out, there were some that didn't. Uh, Nick Saban's daughter, not a huge fan, apparently. Uh, that's what I hear. Uh, that's what I read uh, in, uh, by Mark Hyman, AL.com. Oh, that's that's he, how you keep abreast of your uh, career, right? Isn't yeah, that how you follow up on your I, career? Uh, you know, a couple times a day, I, I go to my trusty ale.com uh, site, and I and I find out, you know, what Markheim uh, Markheim's view of the world is exactly. Paul, did any of the uh, sorority girls ask you out? No, no. I mean, I, you know, we had uh, we had quite an uh, entourage. I mean, I did I, I did think, Lee, uh, you know, here I am. You know, in, in the uh, in the elder states of my career, and you know, <laughs> wh where was this when I was in college? Exactly, I mean, roaming around uh, I, you Florida know, row uh, at lunch uh, on a Friday of the biggest football weekend of the year. I mean, that was my only regret. That, uh, but but it was it was a lot of fun, um, and uh, I I'm next year. I, I, that's that I will probably go through Rush just for fun. <laughs> Paul, I will tell you this: not that it matters. It's certainly not going to move the needle on this show, but. My uh, granddaughter and I were having a conversation. She's in a sorority at Huntington, and the sorority she's in was a sorority that I worked at as a busboy for about two months. They fired me. It's the only time I've ever been fired in my life. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw you doing that, I saw that, and it brought up, oh, gosh, yeah, the only time I got fired. By the way, I think it was Lee's uh, most memorable two months of his life. For sure. Paul. By, by the way, Lee, uh, don't, be careful when you say uh, it was the only time I've ever been fired. The way, the I know. The, uh, <laughs> it's still it's still early in the day. The exactly. Yeah. That that could change anytime soon. Paul, uh, let's get your take on all the, the criticism back and forth. Alabama, Saban, he says it's justified. Is it? Yeah, I was I was very uh, surprised by his statement yesterday. And, and Mark, help me with this because you're, you're the – 
official historian of Nick Saban, but didn't he say something earlier in the day that was completely contradictory? He did. That's what I brought up in the show, that there was one story where he said he doesn't need to hear it. He'll take care of it. And the other thing, when he was on the SEC media day, uh, he came out and said uh, people were telling him that, you know, why are people criticizing? He said it's justified. I I thought it was one of uh, the most startling comments I've heard from Nick Saban uh, during his 17 years, because you know, the the earlier comment was quintessential Nick Saban. I don't care what anybody says because I don't listen to it. I have no earthly idea. Uh, you know, we, we are the ones who set the standard. And then what was it? Uh, you know, Ten hours later, he completely reversed himself. And, and I, I was I was baffled by that because. Yeah, for Saban to play, I mean, it, it, it was almost like he was playing games, Lee. Like he was trying to be, okay, uh, you know, I, I get it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and fall on the store just to just so I, I don't have to really answer the questions that I was asked earlier. Is the dynasty over? I I, I thought it was a it was a defense mechanism by Saban. And quite frankly, I don't think it worked. All right, let me ask you this, because we brought this up also, because, you know, as you know, Nick Saban over the 17 years, no, once, no distractions, dedicated. Do you know what's behind him going on the Pat McAfee show every Thursday? I, I don't have any idea. I mean, I, I found out about that the same time you guys did. I, I just think uh, another, another somebody is advising Saban, uh, probably Jimmy Sexton saying, hey, this is the hot show of the hour. You know, you would look good being on there. Um, Aaron Rodgers goes on there, so why don't you? I mean, I, I don't uh, – I mean, he's, he's, he's not a media-friendly guy, as you guys know. Um, is it telegraphing uh, his next move? Uh, is he going to be – is he going to replace A.J. Hawk on the Pat McAfee show next year? I don't know. I'm just I, – I, I was, I was surprised by that, as you are, considering how little – he likes distractions in the middle of the week. That was the point that I think we were kind of batting around earlier today. And, and to Lee's point, you know, this was this is a guy that turned down a, an invitation to the White House at one point because it was in the middle of his practice week or film session or whatever it was. Now, all of a sudden, on a Thursday before a game, we're doing an interview with, with a guy who, by the way, is incredibly entertaining. I've been saying as much as Nick Saban probably shouldn't be doing this segment, I can't wait because... Pat does a great job of bringing out that that side of Saban that we rarely see. I'm curious to know if he can continue that here on, you know, game week, every week moving forward. Well, I mean, one thing uh, we think of coaches, Mark, as, you know, buttoned down. But by Thursday afternoon, uh, most of uh, the real real challenge is Sunday, Monday, uh, when they put in the game plan. And then they start to finesse it. But by Thursday, uh, there's not a lot, there, you know, other than just kind of going through the you know, going through the execution of practice. Um, and, and it's worth remembering uh, Thursday night, Saban does his radio show. So yeah. I mean, there there are there are moments in the day. It, 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 it's never that complex. Uh, but for Saban, though, it is it, it, it was it was interesting. And I, I think it's more, hey, uh, I've been hearing about this guy Pat McAfee everywhere I go, so. Uh, that's it. It's like okay, why, why do uh, you know why do seventy-five-year-old uh, CEOs and Supreme Court justices and 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 senators go to Taylor Swift concerts? I mean, to be seen and heard and and to be be considered cool. Yeah, and I and I guess in that same vein, I guess it's the same reason they do outfit uh, videos at, at sororities, right? <laughs> 
Well, I, I don't know about that. That was just all in the day's work. Come on, guys. Paul, on a serious note, who's got a bigger quarterback issue now, Auburn or Alabama? Well, I, I think it's probably Alabama because the stakes are much higher. I mean, Hugh Freeze has always known he had two quarterbacks, um, and, and neither one of them were probably uh, all SEC. Uh, so I think it's a, you know, I, I, I don't, I've never quite understood uh, the public. Uh, embracing of Robbie Ashford as if they're afraid he's going someplace. I mean, every time Hugh Freeze steps in front of a microphone and he talks about Robbie, Robbie Ashford is the most valuable quarterback and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I mean, I've heard that already. I mean, if, if he's so great, play him. So with that said, uh, Auburn is the only football team or major college football program in the state undefeated right now. I know you, you made the comment, burn the film from the Cal game, but is this team trending in the right direction i feel like maybe it's not i don't think anybody really knows that answer mark i mean with alabama i mean i i think we know something's something's happening there in the quarterback room uh you know i, I think i think a lot of people inside that building are expecting to see a quarterback change but at auburn i, I think it's a matter of, of navigating this week uh, which they will. They'll experiment, and then and then uh, look at the schedule. I mean, this four-game gauntlet that begins after that is is simply un- uh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, where does Auburn? Uh, I, th- I think I've got it right. Uh, you guys can help me. But uh, it, you know, with Texas A&M and, uh, and and then what Georgia? I mean, it really gets uh, it gets crazy for Auburn. Do you think the criticism at Nick Saban is any worse or less worse than what's going on at Texas A&M? It's completely differently. Uh, what you're what you're hearing at Texas A&M is really a continuum. Uh, everyone was saying all these things a year ago, and then uh, the Petrino move by Jimbo Fisher was so clever uh, that it got everybody off the track. And, and now you know people are back to where they were. But the thing with A&M uh, that that will be corrected very quickly. I mean, their schedule. I, I think I confused Auburn's schedule with A&M. I mean, I, you know, I believe A&M has Auburn next week and then Arkansas and then Alabama and Tennessee. So A&M season will be decided in those four games. You know, Alabama is, is, is a little more uh, disconcerting because, I mean, you're hearing players complain. Uh, you're hearing uh, fans complain. And, and, and the difference between the fans and the, and the players complaining is we're talking about a coach with, with seven national championships versus a coach – with one national championship at his previous job, uh, and and I, I think there's a stark difference. And you know, with each one though, the next loss could bring uh, the opening of the floodgates. Uh, I, I think that 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 is similar though. He's Paul Feinbaum. Follow him on uh, X Twitter, whatever at Feinbaum. All right. So you said something. I got to go back to. Uh, you just said that there are people inside that Alabama program that expect a quarterback change. What are you hearing? Is that is, is are we are we are we naming a different starting quarterback going into the week, or we're just going to see multiple quarterbacks this Saturday? Well, I suspect we'll see two quarterbacks at least against South Florida. But I mean, just go back and look at what Nick Saban said yesterday uh, about uh, you know if you uh, you know his quote about you know playing time. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I think that said it all. Uh, I don't – I mean, if I had to guess, uh, which is all I'm doing, uh, he'll start Milrow and then, uh, you know, get Buckner in there very quickly. Uh, but it's it, – I mean, you've heard the same things I've heard, Mark, that Buckner is getting a lot of uh, first-team reps. Yeah. So if he starts him, he sends a tremendous message. 
And the message is, why in the world didn't you put him in at the, in the fourth quarter? So, I mean, from that standpoint, he might protect himself a little bit and give Milrow one more shot. Uh, but I, I think it's just so amazing to, to listen to fans talk about Milrow a week ago versus right now and, and, and how, 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 what a false sense of security we all got watching the first game against Middle Tennessee. Yeah. So did it surprise you? I know we talked about it, but was was Saban sending Buckner a a message when he started or he put Simpson in second in week one? If if Buckner's going to be uh, the first off the bench this week, assuming that happens, I, I've always yeah. I mean, I've, I've I've always thought Buckner was the backup, unless I missed something. Um, and I think therein lies part of the frustration. I mean, there was a feeling. Of, in the buildup to the season that Simpson was ultimately going to be the starter. You yeah. know that. I mean, I sat with uh, McElroy uh, in Nashville at, at media days. And I mean, he, he flat out said, you know, what I, what I'm seeing and hearing is that Ty Simpson will be the starter by mid season. Um, right now that doesn't look likely. So I, I think Buckner is, is the, is the guy at the moment, but the, the fact that we are in the, we are in the middle of September and there's still this conversation is really the worst fear that all of the, that all Alabama fans had before the season, Mark. That yeah. that it would not be decided. Uh, I think most people thought it would be worse if we, we, if they couldn't figure out a quarterback for Week One and they went into Texas uh, with a controversy. But uh, I mean, that was the opposite happened, and the situation today is even worse. Paul, as always, sir, we appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the weekend's games, uh, although there's not much to pick from. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. All right, man. That's Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather. We come back, you get a little Chick-fil-A chance, a little fried deliciousness here. Compliments to the radio station. And, of course, at 730, the voice of the Crimson Tide, Eli Gold, is set to join us. We'll talk NFL with Eric Edholm at 8 o'clock of NFL.com. And uh, Lee's brother from another mother, Dan Jennings, at 830. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. This question. That's Bryce, what we ought to call it, by the way. Bryce Young failed to get a win his first start. So here's the question. Who was the last quarterback picked first overall to win his first career start? Regular, regular season. Right, yeah, regular season start. First, right. start first, you, the rookie starts, and as Bryce Young uh, failed to get the Panthers to a win, not all his fault, of course, but then, of course, he'll be quarterbacking against the Saints yeah, this week. It's going to be a shame when he falls to 0-2. It's Monday not a reflection on him. He's a fine young right. individual. Yes. All right, so if you know the answer to that question, give us a call, 694-1055. Uh, Eli Gold is coming up. We don't have time now, but we need to have this discussion that started in the app. Go to, you know, the sound of uh, Mobile app right oh, there. this ridiculous conversation happening yes. in the app Yes, well, right I now? blame Lee because he brought up Texas A&M. So, I don't know how it started. That's how it started. How it evolved is anybody's guess. Would Lane Kiffin be interested in the Texas A&M job if it became open? I'm more concerned about this Auburn fan in the app trying to trying to sell me the ridiculous narrative that Auburn turned down Lane Kiffin and not the other way around. Oh, well, we but can get into that, e- Either too. or. I mean, both of them. You can ask, uh, you know, Rick Truce coming on. He's a Ole Miss guy at uh, 750. I, I don't see why he'd be 
Why would he be interested in Texas A&M? Well, I mean, unless we get the money, it. unless it's a money issue. Well, think of all the things that Lane Kiffin at SEC spring meetings, at SEC media days, complained about the state of college athletics. All the things that make it inequitable. And remember that coaches don't care about the game being fair; they want advantages. All of the things that he was complaining about, everything that makes it unfair is now a non-issue if you're the coach at Texas A&M. Well, think about Lane. He they have, whether Alabama fans want to believe it or not, the pockets are deeper true. at College Station than in Tuscaloosa or Auburn. But he's done pretty good getting quarterbacks to come to his school. I don't know how he does it. Right. Imagine what it would be like if he had that NIL money behind it. Ole Miss is, is, caught, is, is, is making strides in that area, but they are way behind in the NIL game. Everything that he complained about is now no longer an issue if he's at Texas A&M. Well, what about Auburn? He would have done better there with NIL money. But not Texas A&M money. A lot of good it's doing Jimbo. Oh, he's got a great offensive coordinator. In this market. How are you, how are you guys good. doing? It is so rare in your broadcasting career to leave Bryant Denny after a loss. I was just kind of curious. When you... When this happens, do you kind of like kind of replay the game in your mind? Like, why didn't we do that? How did this happen? Do any of these questions pop up as you're kind of leaving? Like, I can't believe this happened. Not so much as I was leaving, Lee, but uh, en route back to Birmingham. Uh, you know, as I left, I-, I ran into a lot of fans who were very, very kind to me, very nice to say, hey, great to see you back, hope you're doing well, so on and so forth. Uh, so as I was physically leaving the stadium, uh, you know, I was disappointed riding down in the elevator. Uh, I was by myself, and uh, riding down in the elevator, I was, uh, you know, you geez, we lost that ball game. But it was really in the car uh, riding back to Birmingham that I tried to make full sense out of what had transpired. And, uh, you know, I guess the reality is you're not going to win every game. We'd love to. Everybody wants to. But um, you you sometimes just can't win every single game. So let's see. Tonight is Hey Coach, right? Nick Saban. You'll be interviewing Nick Saban. Who's your uh, guest? Uh, celebrity tonight, uh, you know? Jim Dunaway, who has a, a blog, former media guy. Uh, he's going to be on as the uh, media guest okay. tonight. And we're also going to talk a little men's tennis this evening in the first half hour of the show. A lot of love in that show in the first half hour. But it is so rare for you to do Hey Coach after a loss. I'm just curious, uh, you know, what, what do you start out with, with Nick Saban, especially in lieu of all the well, let's say criticism that's been directed at the program this week. Well, I can't be responsible for what other people say. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, You know, we're going to talk like, you know, two responsible gentlemen. Hey, what happened? You know, let's talk about how how has this week been different in practice uh, to assure that the same thing doesn't happen again, what have you. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm just going to, we play it straight, man. It's, you know, it's, we, we, we're going to play it straight and uh, that's how it'll go. Did you, during the course of the game, ever have that feeling that Alabama was not going to win the game? No. I really didn't. I really didn't. I, uh, I guess I'm just so uh, 
sold on the fact that the tide always wins at home and and so on and uh, yeah man you knew it was going to be a tough ball game let's not be silly here i mean walking into the stadium you knew it was going to be a tough day it was not going to be a game like uh, middle tennessee was the week prior uh, you knew it was going to be a tougher ball game. Uh, but no, I, I genuinely felt that Bama was the better team. And, uh, you know, I'm not so sure that in the long run it may not be that way anyway. But uh, that's, it, it sure as heck wasn't on Saturday. And uh, Texas took advantage of it and won. Easy lie goal. He joins us here on WNSP. Uh, on a more positive note... Fantastic segment there on College Game Day featuring the one and only Eli Gold. How cool was that? That was very, very nice. Uh, they really uh, took good care. You know, I've known uh, Ryan McGee, who is on that show. Yeah. You know, um, he he and I go back probably thirty years because he was a keenly involved person in the world of NASCAR. So he and I have known each other forever and ever. So uh, that was nice. And when he called and said we'd like to come and sit down in the house and uh, do an interview and then, you know, follow you around during the Middle Tennessee game so as to use it for the Texas telecast, uh, I, was, I was thrilled. It was very, very nice, a nice honor. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was very nice. It really was. I, uh, it, it, it lets everybody know what we all went through, but it also lets people know that if you yourself have cancer or a loved one, you can get through it. If, I can, if Eli can get through it, anybody can get through it. Now, it's not always easy. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, it was a very, very hopefully inspirational piece for people who are dealing with, uh, with cancer or other uh, debilitating illnesses. Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. But this this Saturday, you take the day off. Uh, Chris Stewart will be broadcasting the game from Tampa. So you got. How do you have it planned out on Saturday? I'll get up whenever I get up, and at two thirty, <laughs> I'll be in front of the TV, uh, watching the ABC coverage of it, and and I'm sure I'll have the radio on in the background as well. Uh, you know, well, it's Eli. Eli, I, hold on one second. Can now, when I've I've actually been doing okay, I've actually been let's say doing PA, at a, and I remember I'd be watching the game, but then I'd have your broadcast on, and the radio would be what six seven seconds ahead of TV. Can you do that? I mean, do you enjoy that where you have the radio far ahead of TV? Hell, Lee, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, I think they're I think they're synced pretty good these days. Are they not? Yeah, yeah okay. and and I don't know. I've never done that. Well, you know, last year, last year I I watched it on television uh, when I was in the hospital. Uh, I would turn it on in a TV, and if I didn't fall asleep or if I wasn't so dreadfully sick, I would I would uh, watch it. Uh, so I don't know about the uh, the del- I know it's out there. Obviously, I hear from people constantly, but. Uh, no, I, I don't know if I'm going to like that or not, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, I'll be pulling for the tide as though I were sitting right there in Raymond James Stadium and then uh, getting ready for uh, next week and the Ole Miss Rebels. I was listening to, well, we were broadcasting a high school game just a couple of weeks ago, and, and 
TV was carrying the game. And I'm telling you, a radio was at least four, five, six seconds ahead of the TV. And it becomes distracting after a while. Well, I'll take your word for that. I don't know. Eli Gold, something you do know about, Dex Imaging. Dex Imaging, I know them. They're great folks who have the very best quality material and machines and service for all of your business needs, whether it's a copier, whether it's a scanner, whether it's, yes, some folks still use fax machines, whatever it might be, the folks at Dex Imaging have you covered. They, you need a big, big, big machine, they've got it. You need a little smaller one for your one-person office, they've got you covered, too. And that's what I love about them. They've got something for every budget. They've got something for every need. So remember, folks, when you're looking for that special piece of business equipment to complement what you've got going on in your office every day, you will never do better than the folks at Dex Imaging. That's D-E-X, Dex Imaging a big part of your local community, whether it's in Mobile or anywhere else that they're located, Dex Imaging, and online it's DexImaging.com. How's it working out with Tyler Watts? It's working out well, I think. Uh, he's uh, made some very, very good strides, and he's comfortable. Uh, every now and then we, we go over something that he, he, he did something last week, uh, which was, you know, and he realized that the second he did it, he tossed the broadcast down to, um, to Christian on the sidelines just as the Crimson Tide was heading to the line of scrimmage. Well, you know, so what does Christian do? Does he either ignore or does he answer? So he answered, and in that, and in so doing, uh, we talked over a play. We talked over a play. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but you don't want that to happen. So we went to a commercial break at the next opportunity, and I said, hey, he goes, I know. That's all I had to say. I said, hey. And he said, I know. I shouldn't have done that. I said, it's okay. You know, you learn. It's, it's, that's, that's what life is about. You learn and you get better from your mistakes. So, uh, yeah, he's doing just fine. And, you know, what he's really good at is his, his answers are succinct. They're very, you know, they, they don't drag on forever. He goes, not that anybody I've worked with really has, but that's the toughest thing for a color man is to get in and out in 12 seconds or so before the next play has to be set up. And he's doing that very, very well. So uh, it's been wonderful working with him. Working with him. Hey, Eli, we really appreciate the time as always, sir. Enjoy the week, and uh, we'll be in touch. Talk to you next week. All right, guys. You take care. Have a good week. Yep, thank you. That's Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. All right. Um, so one of the debates was would would Lane Kiffin take the Texas A&M or at least consider the Texas A&M job. The other debate seems to be whether Lane Kiffin turned down Auburn or Auburn wasn't interested in Lane. As I remember and I <clears throat> recall, this was all in Lane's court. Uh, this was this was Lane's decision to make. The job was his. The way he handled it was horrific. I mean, if he just strung everybody along. But if I rem- if I'm remembering correctly, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, you guys normally do. This was 
this was Lane's job if he wanted it. That's the way I, under, I understood it. At least that was the narrative. The, the, the sad part from the Ole Miss standpoint was the team fell apart in the latter stages of the season. Remember, they had a really good record. And there are some out there who blamed, you know, Auburn courting uh, Lane and, and Lane's interest in the Auburn job with the fact that uh, the season did not end so well. Uh, and like I said, we have my good friend Rick Trues coming up next. Maybe he he knows a lot about what's going on with Ole Miss, but it's a good point. And when Lane Kiffin, and I will tell you this, Mark, I don't know if you remember this. I do have a source, obviously, on the Ole Miss Radio Network. And during all the courtship, or, or during the narrative, he told me, he said, there's no way Lane Kiffin's leaving Ole Miss. So you, you, don't, you don't know who to believe, but he, he was right. Uh, he, he told me assuredly that Lane Kiffin was not leaving Ole Miss. And this was way before most of this stuff came out. He said, he's not leaving. He's definitely staying. So that's the way it transpired. So he, he was the only one I know that said stuff like that, whereas everybody else felt that the, uh, that Lane was going to Auburn. Yeah. I never thought he was going to leave either. Auburn fans certainly thought that Lane Kiffin was going to be the next coach at Auburn. And again, to say that Auburn backed off. I mean, it's... And you can be very happy with the job that Hugh Freeze has done this offseason. And, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I don't know how it's going to go. I think probably around 7-5 and five is what they'll finish. It almost doesn't even matter what the record looks like this year because of the job he's done recruiting this offseason. You can be very excited about Hugh Freeze and think they ultimately made the right hire and think even that they dodged a bullet not getting Lane Kiffin. But to say that... Auburn backed off and they ultimately didn't want Lane Kiffin in the end is ridiculous. Lane Kiffin turned down Auburn. Auburn did not turn down Lane Kiffin. Yeah, now whether or not he was ever seriously considering it or using it as leverage, we'll never know. Uh, but the point is that that decision was solely on Lane. Auburn Auburn fans wanted him. I wanted Lane Kiffin to go to Auburn. I think every who didn't want is there anybody that didn't want Lane Kiffin to go to Auburn? How what a great story. Al- Alabama fans. Well, maybe maybe Alabama fans. So, uh, all right. Well, I just want to clear that little that little nugget of information up. I'm glad, glad we glad we addressed that. There yeah. seemed to be some I, misinformation. In the in the I, thought, I thought you wanted Urban Meyer for Auburn. For Auburn, yeah. Oh, that would that would have been spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted Urban Meyer. That I would have loved. Dude, yes. we could have done mat drills right there in Tumor's Corner. It would have yes. been awesome. Like anybody, everybody, and anybody. Let's how about go. how about this, Lee? Urban Meyer, next head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Whenever, uh, whenever Dabo, you know. Run, runs his time up, which might not be long. Who knows? So, so that I, I, anything that gets Urban Meyer back in college coaching, I'm for. I don't care where it is. Someone in the app said, "As a Bam fan, never thought I'd say this, but I'd rather have Kiffin than Dabo oh, as the next coach." Man, the, I like. I, I said this after the Duke game. The the never Dabo movement in Tuscaloosa has never. I'm a proud leader of it. It's never been stronger. Dabo Sweeney will not be his, the next head coach of Alabama. Michael, did he burn his bridges at, in Tuscaloosa, Kiffin? How so? I mean, like, with the way he left? The way he left? Think the reports you heard about him on campus and so forth? Oh, I think that was all overblown. I think, uh, I think time heals. You think heals. it was just rumor? I think that was underreported. I, I think time heals all wounds. No, I mean. He's more mature now. I think if Nick Saban. I think. He's moved I, on I, to grad students. Nick Saban won't make the hire, but Wait, I think ultimately uh, if Nick Did you hear Saban that quote, Michael? It, Michael, be quiet. Did you hear that quote? Yeah, wow. I was going to brush past it. Okay, I was funny. <laughs> so he's moved on to grad student? Yes, I, I, I was going to brush past it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know if Lane Kiffin will be the next head coach at Alabama. I know I'd rather have him than Dabo. There are other names you could throw out. Dan Lanning. I, I, someone I've I've seen heating up a lot lately is Glenn Schumann, the uh, defensive coordinator There's at Georgia. There's another name. Uh, so that, Deion that, Sanders. Uh, well, For anywhere. I'm talking about a hot ticket. No, I don't think many people... I've seen it thrown around. For yes, sure. I've seen his name thrown around that Colorado is just a stepping stone. Wouldn't it be funny if uh, things keep going the way they go at Florida and Deion Sanders ends up at Florida? Oh, instead of Florida State. Yeah. Oh, that would be... That'd All right, we are throwing out some wild, wild college football. Is, I love college football. It's so much fun. Uh, someone said Kiffin is, and I say in all quotes, ridic- uh, uppercase, ridiculously overrated, especially on this show. Point being, never Dabo to Alabama. That's Anybody that, that, but Dabo? Literally any. I could name 15 coaches I would rather have over Dabo. Gene Chizik's on line one. He wants a word. I would rather have Gene Chizik. Come on. Stop. I would stop like, it. Sark, Kiffin. Schumann, Dan Lanning. I'm going to have to compose a whole list. Price? Coach Price, would you, you want yeah, him back? Yeah, I'll take Mike Price back. <laughs> he and Mike, Shula. Mike Shula. Shula. He and Lanning hit the strip. Debo- Shula. DeBose. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We come back. Uh, you guys can jump in, I'm sure. Dion. Um, I'd rather have Dion than Dabo. Ooh, that's saying something because you hate that man. I hate Dabo more. Wow. All right, Eric Edholm's going to talk some NFL at 8 o'clock. Dan Jennings will join us at 8.30. <laughs> Someone said Rush Probst. Yes, Rush. Rush. Rush Probst. All right, we're going to wrap up our number one next here on a animated and spirited opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. It's the opening kickoff, and uh, like the voice says, we're here in the studios of WNSP. All right, some of our quick headlines. Braves clinched the uh, National League East first team to qualify for the playoffs, to to be honest about it. And uh, they'll be in the playoffs. This will be the 23rd divisional title for the Atlanta Braves, the second quickest time they've ever clinched uh, with still three weeks to go in the season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers basically sent out a, a message saying, yeah, he'll, he'll be back, and we hope that's the case. With that, we bring in Eric at home from uh, NFL.com. Eric, welcome back to WNSP. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning to you guys. What's going on? Well, I'm going to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. Where did you have the Jets prior to the injury, and where do you have them now as far as their season? Yeah, I kind of had them on the borderline of, of making the playoffs because – you know, nothing against Aaron Rodgers, but the AFC is loaded. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe after three weeks we say to ourselves, like we are with the SEC in college football, okay, they're having a tough start or something like that. So, obviously things can change, but coming into the year, I felt like there were, you know, probably 11 AFC teams that had at least a, a puncher's chance of, of making the postseason, whereas in the NFC side, that number's a lot closer to the seven that get in. So, that was a big reason. Obviously, the injury is a massive blow to their season. I mean, this doesn't mean that Zach Wilson can't come in and perform well. We saw what the defense can do. We saw what the special teams, how they ended the game. Uh, and certainly, Brees Hall and, and Dalvin Cook give you a lot up front, too, as well. So, it's it's obviously a, a cruel, you know, Jets-like twist of fate. But, man, I, I'm, I'm not ready to punt on this team quite yet. So a lot was made of the rookie quarterback starting, and none of them won, uh, Richardson, Stroud, and Bryce Young. But not much was played up about first-year coaches. And when I say first-year coaches, maybe they've been somewhere else, but making their debut. Yeah. And I don't think any of them 
uh, picked up a win. But the one I'm curious about, in your opinion, Sean Payton with Denver, they hardly scored any points. Yeah, it was a strange game. It was like a seven-possession game. Uh, you know, every every team seemed to possess the ball and, and punt. <laughs> like, move the ball and then punt every single time. So it was a... It had to be a frustrating game for Broncos fans who watched this sort of thing play out last year every single week. They lose games by one point, three points, five points, you know, whatever it was. Their defense would keep them in games. Their offense couldn't finish drives. And, you know, the, the talk this week is just about how fiery Peyton was in the locker room after that game, knowing that his team is, you know, at least in his mind, is better than that. So, I'll be fascinated to see how they rebound this week and whether there is a little bit of juice there. I don't think this is a team we just say, all right, you know, they're, they're definitely 5-12 and 12 and everything's, you know, sort of been written in stone on this one. This is a team that can improve throughout the course of the season. It's going to take a little bit of time, but, you know, they, you just sort of look at the, the expectations. Everybody felt like Peyton was going to add two wins to this team just by showing up and that they probably lost another – you know, two or three games that they shouldn't have last year. So, uh, again, it was it was not the kind of start that big, our uh, Broncos fans wanted to see because they got tired of that 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 plot line last year. But they, they'll, I, I'm still mildly encouraged if they can get some of their playmakers back, like Jerry Judy and and Greg Dulcich. Do you have a game, any particular game, circled on your calendar this weekend that's worth watching? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. Starting with with the Thursday game, I you know I mean I, that Minnesota and, and Philly is a big one. I mean, you know, Minnesota risks going zero and two after a thirteen win season. You know, should have won week one, had the game you know at least the momentum of the game in in their favor in the first half, but the three turnovers really killed them. And you know, Philly didn't put up a a great offensive performance at all. I mean, they had that that second quarter where it felt like they was three and outs back-to-back-to-back by four times in a row, I want to say. And, you know, thank goodness their kicker made three long field goals in the second half, and, and you know, Kayshawn Boutte didn't, didn't catch that ball and have a second foot in bounds. They probably are 0-1 at this point. So sort of a big early test for those two, I think, in, in this one. And, and obviously Jets Cowboys, too, just given the Rodgers stuff and, and how well defensively Dallas played in week one. <clears throat> Eric Edholm's our guest here on WNSP. Follow him on X, Twitter, whatever, at Eric underscore Edholm. Um, hey, so who had a worse weekend? Was it Buffalo Bills fans or Green Bay fans who were at the Wisconsin bar for the Aaron Rodgers promotion that just went terrible? Yeah, that, that was great, right? I mean, they, they're, they're, they're watching the game. They see Rodgers get hurt. I'm not great that he got hurt. Right. Thinking they had their tabs paid for. I mean – if I get, if I could open up to another choice, I would say that that the New York Giants fans had probably the worst week. I mean, yeah. you know, I guess defensively they weren't awful, but everything else was pretty putrid. So, you know, that would be my choice, all things considered. But yeah, it's it's, it's funny. You look back in Week One last year, and there were a lot of quote unquote surprises, but not that many of them looked shocking when you look back. You just remember, okay, at the time that was a weird deal. So, it's. 
it, it, just another reminder how much changes week to week in this league or year to year in this league is what I meant to say. Yeah, so how much of that uh, whole Jets-Bills thing was, man, the Jets' defense, we knew they were good, but how much of that was good yeah. and, and how much of that is do we need to open an investigation into Josh Allen to see if he has a FanDuel account? Look, I I love Josh because I think he's a, he's a really fun talent and, and he's got that – He's got the guts to make throws that I think a lot of quarterbacks won't even attempt. But that said, at some point, these performances have to be kind of rated out of his out of his soul a little bit. We've got to we've got to find a way where Josh can can take a ten point lead and protect it, and and not play hero ball and not try to fit you know every ball into the tightest window when when something easier is there for him. Plus, I thought he seemed a little rattled just after. The you know the 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 one turnover he throws the interception comes back the next time fumbles on like I think the first snap of the of the next series and it was almost like he just like gonna will his way to victory somehow and and I think he needs just a little bit more composure in those situations. Talking with Eric Edholm of NFL.com, one of the results that really surprised me, I mean, and, and this was the San Francisco 49ers and the way they really took it to Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh, yeah. Brock Purdy out for, well, forever. And then you look at Joe Burrow, who missed some weeks too with an injury, and he had his worst game. But Purdy, who hadn't played, what, since the playoffs last year, comes back and throws two touchdown passes. How do you figure well, he was able to get some snaps. I mean, that's that was the difference. I mean, Joe had a you know less than a week's worth of practice, basically, whereas Purdy had been back and kind of settled in for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, right, we hadn't really seen him in, in true game action since since the injury with the elbow. But you know, I think they were just so blown away at at how he attacked the rehab, obviously with a with a elbow injury and a quarterback you get very concerned and you say to yourself here's a seventh round pick to begin with you know only what seven and a half games worth of of action there it was there was a lot of doubt coming into that game i think both you know loudly nationally but but even i would guess within that uh, their their building at some point they would have thought boy can can brock do this again but they made that decision pretty definitively it, it obviously cast Trey Lance down a different path. And then he goes out there, like you said, and, and, and plays terrifically. And, you know, I can't compare a calf muscle for, for Burrow to an elbow, you know, for, for Purdy. But all I know is that he showed me something. I still had my doubts a little bit. I still had a little bit of question about whether this guy was going to be as comfortable as he was a year ago. But that was that was pretty darn impressive. Like you said, that was the – Probably the best performance all around, offense and defense, what San Francisco did to, to, to Pittsburgh. We're looking forward to the Saints in Carolina, seeing what the Saints can do with uh, Bryce Young. That's the Monday night game. We carry the Saints. But why, according to the schedule, that same night they have the Browns and Steelers. Why are they putting back-to-back games on on a Monday night? Yeah, they've been kind of doing the Monday night doubleheader. You know, sometimes it's been in week one, but it's always sort of been in – you know, early season, and then of course late in the year we have the Saturday games. I, the answer is they want to get as many games on prime time as possible, and they want to have as many of those those days dotting the football calendar as possible. And you know, just as college football was once pretty much you know restricted to to one day of the week, it's now expanded a little bit too. And you know, the NFL I think is is 
experimenting with ways to kind of expand within the current structure, right? You obviously can't have Wednesday games. I don't think anybody would, would go for that. And, and I think that's sort of the deal is that they've tried to tack on an extra a bonus game, if you will, in that Monday night slot. Eric, let me ask you something. Uh, as far I know it's t- you know with a you don't want to have a knee jerk reaction just for the first week, first weekend, but. Did it, was there a result there that showed you that some team out there, uh-huh, the Giants, are spiraling down and this could be a really bad year for them? Yeah, if you want to use the Giants example, I think it's fair only because, you know, a lot of people said, hey, look, they went on the road, they won a playoff game last year, they played respectably, they, they added some creativity to the offense, they, were, they found a way to sign Daniel Jones and at least, you know, franchise tag Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, the, the the big draft last year with the two first-round picks and everything else. There was just a lot of optimism in the offseason of, hey, what, if that was year one, what can year two bring, right? Now, that was the most devastating, you know, result that you could have imagined, obviously, and the weather probably did no favors. But, you know, if they're calling Daniel Jones sweeps with, you know, four minutes to go in the third quarter and you're down, I think at that point, what was it, 32 to nothing or whatever. I mean, yeah, 33. I mean, it just, it it made me think, first of all, why is he in there? <laughs> you're getting him work to do what exactly here? You don't trust him to throw the football in these conditions. You don't trust your receivers, your offensive line. You know, it just, it gave that feeling of, yes, this was a fluky result in the way it was, when the way it went, but I don't know that they feel better about themselves this year. So absolutely, they're candidates. For Are that. you buying into the Detroit Lions after their win over the Chiefs? <clears throat> I had bought into them a little bit. On, you know, for the off season, it was clear that they had talent on both sides of the ball. The question was, could a lot of this young talent step up? Right? I know some people will say, "Hey, Jared Goff's not the greatest quarterback," and you know, they, do they have a ton of weapons right now who are established outside of Amon Ross St. Brown and? You know, maybe the run game a little bit. Well, no, but they have a great offensive line. That defense came together. Goff made the throws when he had to. You know, it was, it was a big performance, and now they get a chance to, to back it up this week. As, let's face it, they're frontrunners now. They're the favorites, at least in Vegas, to win the NFC North right now. With that said, we're just going to give the South to the Saints, right, and call it a, call it a season? Falcons will have something to say about that. You know, we'll see. The Panthers ran the ball very effective last week, and, and Bryce didn't look too big for the moment. I don't know that they're ready to kind of jump into that that mix quite yet. But, yeah, the Falcons are interesting. Obviously, the offensive line struggling last week was, a, was a, something I didn't expect. So, you know, that was supposed to be one of their one of their sort of bedrock units. I don't know. I'm not ready to, to make a proclamation on them yet, but they have some talent. Look, when you come on this show – you give me what I need so I can get through the weekend. I'll, I'll give you what you get. How about that? Wow. I can't <laughs> I can't argue that point. Hey, hey, it's great catching up, man. It's been far too long. Tell everybody how they can uh, continue to follow your coverage as uh, we got football tonight. NFL.com, baby. I'll be uh, covering the game. And, you know, I love it, buddy. You know, I, I'll, I'll give you whatever you need eventually. <laughs> Pause, as the kids say. <laughs> hey, be good. We'll talk soon. Yeah. All right, man. That's uh, Eric at home. All right. Traffic and scoreboard are next. We went a little long there, and, uh, you know, we'll open up the phones. That's kind of what we do. Dan Jennings at 830 as well. The opening kickoff continues right here on the Sports Station WNSP. 